Welcome to another show of The Body Podcast. I'm your host, Yashwan Chilakuru, and we're going to look at what happened to the Indian drug industry by digging into a paper released earlier this year by economists at the National Bureau of Economic Research. The paper will be linked in the show notes, and it discusses the effect of patent reform in the Indian drug manufacturing industry. This is going to get a little weedsy, but this topic is really important to you and people all over the world. Remember last week how we discussed that internet pharmacies are allowing people to buy drugs for cheap because they can exploit the international discrepancy in the price of drugs? Well, today we're going to talk about why that discrepancy exists and what the international community is doing about it. So India's generic manufacturing industry is a huge source of cheap drugs, and it's often to the benefit of a lot of people. Every year, India exports $17 billion in pharmaceuticals, and a lot of that goes towards those in need of treatment in developing countries. And this is because NGOs often purchase medication from Indian generics. For example, Doctors Without Borders purchases 80% of their HIV AIDS drugs from Indian firms because it's so much cheaper to do so. Drugs that used to cost $40 per day per person would now cost less than a dollar per day. The reason that Indian firms can produce drugs so cheaply is because of their patent system. It used to be governed by the 1970s Indian Patent Act, which actually did not allow companies to patent products. They could only patent methods of manufacturing, and the goal was to boost the Indian manufacturing industry in the mid-20th century. But what it meant for the Indian drug industry is that a large number of companies could produce the same drug. And with a lot of suppliers, drug prices were extremely low compared to the U.S. While popular prescription drugs in America will only have one or two manufacturers, there will be several dozen companies producing each drug in India. In fact, on average, there are 55 manufacturers for every medication that is generating over $10 million in revenue annually. So while this is great for NGOs and low-income people, there's a big caveat. A lot of international drug companies will not enter the Indian marketplace because Indian firms will just reverse engineer their drugs and cut into their profits. Additionally, there's little financial incentives for these domestic manufacturers to invest in new drug discovery research. What this all means is that new treatments will take a lot longer to to enter the Indian marketplace when compared to countries with strong patent laws like the U.S., So this all started to change in 1995 when the World Trade Organization passed the Trade-Related Intellectual Property Standards, also known as TRIPS. It required all member nations to update their patent and IP laws to meet some minimum criteria. The goal of TRIPS was to promote free trade by protecting intellectual property and encouraging investment in technological innovation. One of the big requirements of the program was that all member nations must grant product patents that last up to 20 years. And this was a big change for India because previously it only allowed for process patents and not product patents. Previously, you could patent a way of producing a drug, but you could not patent the drug itself. Now, under TRIPS reform, you could do both. India and several other countries were given approximately 10 years to comply with patent regulations. And so in 2005, India finally implemented their first product patent system. The expected effects of the new system were threefold. One, prices would rapidly increase by 100 to 400%. Two, access to drugs would decrease as a result of price increases. 
And three, new drugs would appear on the Indian marketplace. Essentially, TRIPS aimed to westernize the Indian drug marketplace. The first two effects are definitely not good. Remember how India exports $17 billion worth of drugs, mostly to developing countries. This means organizations like Doctors Without Borders would not be able to treat as many people as they used to. But the third effect is a big upshot of TRIPS. New drugs would appear at a faster rate in the Indian marketplace, meaning better medication and better treatment. So when researchers at the National Bureau of Economic Research actually looked into what happened with the TRIPS reform, their results were somewhat surprising. There was a 3% increase in prices with patented drugs in the past decade since TRIPS. And in addition, there was no actual decrease in the quantity of drugs sold. And new drugs did not enter the marketplace at an increased rate either. So on the surface, it looks like TRIPS did not do much at all. But you have to remember that it's only been 11 years since TRIPS reform. And this is really important because TRIPS was designed to be flexible for developing countries and it actually allowed India to put in grandfather clauses during patent reform. Essentially, if generic companies were producing a drug before it was awarded a patent in India, the generic companies could still continue producing the drug while paying a reasonable royalty to the patent holder. Usually this is about a 6 or 7% royalty. When you factor in this grandfather effect, you see that patent drugs that were affected by the grandfather clause had no increase in prices. But patented drugs that were not affected by the grandfather clause had a 17% increase in prices. This is still nowhere close to the 100 to 400% price increases that people expected under TRIPS reform. But the reform is starting to change the Indian pharmaceutical market. Essentially, I believe that there are two long-term outcomes. One is that current trends of modest price increases will continue, but they remain nowhere large enough to really change the system. The price increases don't allow for enough profit or incentives for firms to really invest in drug discovery, and the Indian system will remain relatively unchanged. The second possibility is that the effects we are seeing will grow exponentially as the advantages that the grandfather generic producers are no longer relevant and as newer and newer treatments become available. It's only been a decade since Indian patent reform, so it's going to take time to change the culture of a market that's existed since the market itself came into existence. If you're wondering why this even matters to you, let me make it clear. Indian Pharma is one of the fastest growing marketplaces in the world, and they're a huge player in determining the global price of drugs. So if you work in international development or live in a developing country, trips in Indian patent reform is a huge deal. The decisions of the Indian patent office and court system determine whether millions of people fighting HIV, malaria, and a whole host of other illnesses get access to treatment or suffer from disease. If you're an average American or citizen in a developed country like me, these decisions are going to have huge consequences for our access to medication. For example, Gleevec, which is used to cure CML, a form of leukemia, costs over $80,000 per year in the U.S. In India, it's just $2,000. Sovaldi, which cures hepatitis C, costs $84,000 in the U.S., but just $1,000 in India. So regardless of these long-term consequences, the 2005 Indian patent reform has stirred a lot of controversy. Several multinational pharmaceutical companies have been denied patents on their drugs and have taken India to court as a result. So next time on Body, we're going to dig into these cases and look at what they mean because they're hugely important and have changed the way that the drug industry operates. Mm-hmm.